Hi there, I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Health Discovered Podcast, where we bring you fascinating stories and unique perspectives, like our recent episode on how heart failure can particularly affect women in Black and Hispanic communities. We've documented it time and time again. She was young, she was Black, she was a woman. No one expected her to look like the face of heart failure. When you don't look like what someone expects, that's going to lead to delays in diagnosis. We all have to take this constellation of symptoms, treat it the same each and every time, whether it's a young person, a black person, a woman. If someone presents to me with my heart racing and feeling winded, I need to get an echocardiogram 100% of the time, regardless. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Health Discovered Podcast, where we bring you fascinating stories and unique perspectives, like our recent episode on how heart failure can particularly affect women in Black and Hispanic communities. We've documented it time and time again. She was young, she was Black, she was a woman. No one expected her to look like the face of heart failure. When you don't look like what someone expects, that's going to lead to delays in diagnosis. We all have to take this constellation of symptoms, treat it the same each and every time, whether it's a young person, a black person, a woman. If someone presents to me with my heart racing and feeling winded, I need to get an echocardiogram 100% of the time, regardless. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver, and I, I, I just gotta say, hopefully, and please let me know in the comments if this is not indeed the case, I really hope I sound a lot better through this microphone than I did on Monday, because Lord have mercy, I sound like I was talking into a, I shouldn't say talking into a bullhorn, but man, it, it didn't sound great. So, uh, yeah, listen, I've, I've tried to adjust some of the, the mic settings, hopefully it sound better today, but man, we have got... A loaded show, certainly a, a highly unexpected you know, first segment for the show. I, I did not see that coming in terms of the Aaron Rodgers injury. Obviously, we'll leave the show off with that. Also going to get into Josh Allen. His turnovers were not just a problem last night. They've been a problem throughout his NFL career, going back to 2018 when he entered the league, and even the last few years, certainly since he's left Brian Dable. And it's time we kind of come to terms on, on who he is and, and, and what he's sort of become as a player as time has gone on. I'll talk about Josh Allen. Also going to get into Zach Wilson as well, too. Going to discuss Zach. Zach Wilson, the Jets, that's not the answer for the Jets, because I think they need to try and salvage the season with this defense, and Zach is not the answer. I'll discuss that and potential options later on today's show. Also, my one of my favorite segments, almost some of my favorite, which is if I were a bet man, but Bryson's Best 10 every Wednesday following the last game of that particular NFL week, I'll rank my top 10 teams in the NFL, and folks, this isn't just going to be a bunch of 1-0 teams. This isn't going to be some crazy, oh, look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers breaking the top 10. No, 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 we're, we're, not, we're not doing that. We keep it unbiased and completely objective in terms of these rankings. So Bryce's best 10 coming up in about a half hour or so. Also, I'm going to sneak in a little Warriors topic because you know me. You know how I'm wired. i got to talk about the Golden State Warriors who some new, uh, some recent news came out about Chris Paul saying that, hey, 
He's probably going to start for Golden State opening night in about a month. Uh, I actually think Golden State, who's one of the, if not the smartest organization in the NBA, is looking at this two, one of two ways, if not both potentially, and I'll get into that later in the show. Of course, at the end, week two kicks off tomorrow night with the Minnesota Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles on Amazon Prime. Cannot wait to discuss that. I will predict that game at the end of today's show. Hoping to bounce back from an 8-8. Eight eight. I pulled a Jason Garrett, an 8-8 eight eight week one uh, in the NFL. So, but first... The most unfortunate week one story that I can remember ever doing on Carving It Up Live. Aaron Rodgers is done for the season after only four snaps, as we all know, with an Achilles tear. Now, before I even get into anything, so he's, of course, he's pressured on this play by Leonard Floyd, who comes off the edge. I know a lot of people are blaming the, blaming the MetLife Stadium uh, turf, which has been a, a big topic of discussion, a big area of concern for a lot of players for a long time, that it's perfectly legitimate. I get it. I don't think the turf was the reason he injured his Achilles. If you watch that play and the way his heel bends, a heel's not supposed to bend that way. So if you're trying to dig your foot in the ground and then all of a sudden a big 260, 70-pound defensive lineman, maybe more, I don't know what Leonard Floyd weighs, comes down on you the way that the ankle, or I'm sorry, that the Achilles was bent, that's not going to bow very well. It reminds me to a certain extent, not to bring you know any Warriors topics into this, but uh, it reminds me when Steph Curry was driving to the basket, got you know somebody... I forget who it was, came in weak side help uh, and tripped him. So he's he's airborne, and his finger is going to hit the floor before the palm of his hand does. And then here comes big old, remember Aaron Baines, former center in the NBA? He comes down and just crushes Steph Curry's uh, 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 middle of his of his hand and his finger, and he ended up missing like four months. It was similar to that, obviously, an Achilles, far more uh, serious than, than an ankle. I'm sorry, than an Achilles injury. Uh, Achilles injury is far more serious than a hand injury, rather. Um... First of all, Aaron Rodgers actually just uh, posted on Instagram literally 10, 15 minutes ago. If we could put up the post now, I, I don't have the, the graphic for, for the show. I apologize. But Aaron Rodgers just put this on Instagram. Let's see, when was this posted? 23 minutes ago. So it's, it's got a picture of, of, of him. Remember, he came out. It was obviously 22nd anniversary of 9-11. It's in New York. Very emotional moment. Aaron's going through the tunnel with the American flag, which in what I would imagine was an electric atmosphere in the Meadowlands. But Aaron's got a, a couple pictures there of his Jets debut. And uh, the caption says, quote, Thank you to every person who has reached out, called, texted, DM'd, connected through a friend, etc. It has been a ton to me, and I'll try to get back to all of you soon. I'm completely heartbroken and moved, uh, and moved through all of the emotions, uh, but deeply touched and humbled by the support and love. Please keep me in your thoughts and prayers as I begin the healing process today. And this is very interesting by Aaron. Even, even in Aaron's lowest point, he always gives us a, a nice little message, a little a cryptic message to a certain extent. He says, quote, The night is darkest before the dawn, and I shall rise yet again. Proud of my guys, 1-0, jet emoji. So... That right there, and I was going to center a lot of my segment regarding Aaron Rodgers. At least I'll get into the Jets later and the, the you know their the, their outlook on the rest of the season, particularly regarding Zach Wilson. But that kind of answers my question to a certain extent that I had about Aaron Rodgers. In that, okay, we understand he's, his resume. He's a Super Bowl champion, four-time MVP. Certainly, I have been critical of him in the past in terms of him not being quite as committed as a Tom Brady, maybe as a Drew Brees. You have. The, the ayahuasca situation, the darkness retreats, the last few years up until this offseason, which I'll get into in just a moment, he was totally kind of out uh, participating in any OTAs, you know, mini camp with, with him working with some younger receivers trying to build that rapport. 
And oftentimes, early in seasons, there would be like a, a real, especially last season in Green Bay, there was a real disconnect between Aaron and some of those younger receivers, particularly Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. That became a problem for the Packers that kind of persisted throughout the season. So to see Aaron Rodgers, and I, you, I'm sure you all have noticed, and I've been quite uh, emphatic about this, how much I've changed my tune on the guy, that ever since he joined the Jets, it was like it was it was like this is Aaron Rodgers and then that was just some I don't know curmudgeon in Green Bay because here comes this 39-year-old quarterback with the resume he has he could retire today and be a first ballot Hall of Famer no questions asked and he comes into New York and he has the statement hey that that Lombardi trophy is looking kind of lonely over there very reminiscent again another Warriors reference very reminiscent of what Joe Lacob said when he bought the team when he bought the Warriors in I think it was 2010 2011 uh just FYI but I li- I like that statement from Rodgers and he comes in he's got some some like color in his face. He's got, you know, he's, he, he looks, you know, I hate to say this, but more well-groomed, I guess, to a certain extent than he did uh, in the past. He looks good. He looks uh, fresher. Uh, he's showing up uh, in his, in his jets uh, hoodie and, and, and pl- playing with the wide receivers during, during mini camps and building the rapport, build, bringing some of his Packer teammates with him. Guys like Randall Cobb and guys like uh, Adrian Amos uh, joined the team. I don't know if Amos is still with the team, but he brought in Alan Lazard who, who made a couple plays the other night. And it felt like it was kind of a new day for Aaron Rodgers. It felt like he was embracing the city of New York. You see him at the Taylor Swift concerts, dancing his you-know-what-off to, to shake it off. And, and, and you're seeing he's in Broadway. He's going to the Tony Awards. He's going to Madison Square Garden. He's really, Aaron is a big city kid. He's from the Bay Area. He likes the big city field. It's not even a shot at Green Bay. Green Bay just always felt like a weird fit with Aaron because he's California big city guy and that's obviously not Green Bay doesn't even have an owner. It's the only team in the NFL that can that can say that the town owns them. Uh, obviously, not the case with the New York Jets. And so, it just to watch him go down. And I was watching the Peyton and Eli broadcast uh, during the game, and this they were as stunned as everybody else. Of course, maybe even more so because those are two. Obviously, Peyton was one of the greatest ever. Eli was very, very good in his own right. But just the the shock, the oh god, you got to be kidding me! Just the your your stomach just drops when you see him go down and you see him get on the cart and initially Peyton's saying I'm watching again I'm watching the Peyton and Eli broadcast and Peyton's saying hey it might be an ankle and that's what the initial report is and as it turned out the Jets put out a release saying uh, Aaron Rodgers is questionable to return with an ankle injury and then you hear Adam Schefter at halftime saying there's fear it could be an Achilles and you're like oh you've got to be kidding me and then the images come throughout the night, throughout the second half, and you see t- two shots that stood out to me. One was one the one I kind of mentioned earlier in terms of he's got his his toe planted into the ground, and here comes Leonard Floyd, you know, bringing Aaron Rodgers to the ground, and it kind of it in Achilles, a heel is not meant to bend that far, and that's probably what did it. And then another angle, which reminded me a little bit of Kevin Durant's injury in 2019, his Achilles injury, you could see in slow motion the Achilles like roll up and the calf like almost like like snap to a certain extent. It's a nasty, nasty, nasty video. And when you saw that, it's 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 like okay, it's obvious an Achilles, and he's probably done. All of that to say this: 39 years old. This was kind of a he he talked about during training camp. Hey, I pr- I plan to be here multiple years. I remember doing segments about that during training camp. He plans to be with the Jets for multiple years. Well, catastrophic catastrophic events like this can maybe change plans, can maybe change things to a certain extent. But Aaron Rodgers said, "What was what was the quote he used? Uh, if I could pull this up again, what Aaron Rodgers said, he said the night is darkest before the dawn, and I shall rise yet again." That tells me, hey. I'm 39 years old. This is going to be really hard. But I'm putting my heart and soul into this rehab. 
I'm going to put myself in a position where September, let's see, what's opening Sunday in the NFL next year? It's going to be a leap year. So September 8th-ish, let's say the Jets open September 8th or maybe September 9th if they open on Monday Night Football. I'm going to be ready to go at 40 years old, going to age 41 in 2024, hoping to help when the Jets win a Super Bowl. So, man, praying for Aaron Rodgers, of course, it sucks. It sounds like, though, what he's saying, this isn't going to be the end. And and thank God it isn't. Uh, maybe we shouldn't be surprised because I honestly thought retirement... If, listen, if Aaron was 90-10 on retirement before the darkness retreat, you're telling me he wasn't at least 50-50 after the Achilles but the fact that he's he he goes online and says what he says. Listen, he's got a a big time competitive drive. He, listen, any athlete who gets to where Aaron Rodgers has gotten, you don't get to that point if you don't have just a fire that burns in you. And obviously, Aaron has that. But there's no question about it. And again, this rehab for somebody his age is going to be rough. It's going to be hard. It's going to be brutal. Uh, but I'm pulling for him. I think all of us are. And certainly hope that's not the last time we see it's weird to say number eight on the field for the New York Jets and hopefully he's back behind center in 2024 with an improved offensive line by the way because for the record all four of the uh, all uh three of his dropbacks for the Jets I think it was three uh he was pressure on every single every single time and Zach Wilson dealt with pressure for the rest of the game when he came in in relief of the injured Rodgers. So that's we we've known that's that's been a, a problem and a concern for the Buffalo Bills. So whether or not they're able to fix that this offseason, I think is going to be the difference between them potentially contending or not contending. So very very interested to see that. Um, let's see real quick. Uh, so. Uh, I'll get into Zach Wilson in just a moment. Um, I see my man John Rivera's in the comments. For some reason, I, I'm the streaming service I'm using, if I can check the comments here, for some reason the comments aren't showing. So if I don't see your comment by any stretch uh, or by, by any chance, uh, for some odd reason, I can't see it in the streaming uh, website, man. I'll just have to look like literally on YouTube. But I did see my man John Rivera, who's a huge Jets fan. I felt terrible for John, John, and for everybody. Uh, he's got the he's got the tears emojis, which just, that, that, that kind of summed up. I, I heard that there were people walking out of MetLife Stadium him last night who were literally in tears because it's like this is they finally maybe get over the hump and then it just it just goes through it just goes right 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 down the drain in in one play it's it's it sucks especially for four plays into the season for it to be that abrupt was was part of what made it so stunning now to zach wilson and this is the part for the jets that is the hardcore truth and also almost an optimistic view that they could take for the remaining 16 games Breaking news, the Jets actually have a pretty good roster. <laughs> this is part of the reason, as we saw last season, you, you add Aaron Rodgers, hey, this might actually be a Super Bowl contending team. But, I mean, that, that, was a, that was a legitimate thing. And then when you, when you look at some of those plays last night, again, you got Zach Wilson in there doing virtually nothing. The coaching staff is, is making sure, because remember he had that one pick where he literally stared the linebacker down. You have numerous plays where it's just okay. Just get the ball out of your hands quick. Like don't don't put Zach Wilson in a position to mess the game up because our defense is playing awesome. They played awesome most, if not all, of last season. Sauce Gardner's making plays. DJ DJ Reed with three interceptions. I'll get into Josh Allen a little later on. The pass rush is good. Quentin Williams is in there making plays. Offensively, Garrett Wilson with already week one, the catch of the year candidate. That's the catch in the end zone that ended up tying the game at 13 all. You just see that Brees Hall looks great running the football. Again, what is he, 11 months from removed from an ACL injury himself? He looked fresh. He looked excellent. He looks like he could be maybe the driving force, dare I say, of that Jets offense now with Rodgers down. You see the talent all over the field. If you are Robert Sala, the head coach, and if you are Joe Douglas, the general manager of the New York Jets, both of them, you can't waste this. 
you you can't have Zach Wilson in here. It's year three. You know, I always say about the Bill Parcells rule that year one's developmental year. Year two, you need to see a big jump from year one. And if by year three, you still are not quite sure if he's the franchise guy, you move on. Well, you know for a fact Zach Wilson isn't the guy in year three because he replaced him with Aaron Rodgers. Now, he kept him in the building for some odd reason, I guess, to be mentored by Rodgers. It's a very odd quarterback developmental situation that they had in place, but whatever. Zach Wilson's not going to get you the promised land. Again, another, another situation. Breaking news. Zach's not that good of a quarterback. Matter of fact, as I talked about at times last year, he's a terrible quarterback. Here's the numbers. 16 touchdowns, 19 picks, a pass rating below average at 71, and a 55% completion percentage. He's not good. Best case, he's a backup. And if you're the New York Jets, again, we talk about a defense, as I just mentioned, that has playmakers everywhere. As good as it looked last year. Not that many games I said, oh my gosh, this might be the best defense of football. I mean, they're in that discussion with the Cowboys with, on a good day, the Pittsburgh Steelers with the 49ers. They're absolutely in that conversation. You can't waste that. You, you cannot waste that in 2023 when we talked about how low the AFC is with quarterbacks. I picked Kenny Pickett to get to the playoffs. Maybe some of that's my bias as a Steelers fan. Maybe not. But a large part because of T.J. Watt and that defense, and obviously offensively, they have playmakers. By the way, it isn't like the Jets are devoid of those playmakers. Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, Alan Lazard is capable of making plays from time to time. It's not a, it's not a bum, it's not New England. You know, it's not just a, a, a group of a bum receivers and bum targets and bum weapons. So if you're the Jets, what's the answer if it isn't Zach Wilson? Because I've heard... Carson Wentz suggested today. I've heard, obviously, everybody's attention. Hey, what about Tom Brady? Tom Brady just so happened to be in New York uh, with his son, uh, you know, at, at the, uh, the the hoop center where a lot of NBA players train in New York. And t- Tom Brady apparently told Diana Rossini, who's one of the best insiders in the game, and she said, Tom's not coming back, which is no shock. I've talked about all offseason. Tom seemed, Tom seemed pretty much done uh, with football. Seem to, and he, he's talked all offseason about how the, he's really focused on moving on to the next stage of his life. So Tom's off the table. I've heard Carson Wentz suggested, eh, he's a slightly better version of Zach Wilson, who's, I think, even more reckless. You've got uh, Nick Foles. Again, Nick Foles from the story aspect would be fun because it's, hey, backup replaces MVP caliber guy, or at least Wentz was an MVP caliber guy that year, and takes over a good roster, wins the Super Bowl. Here's the problem. Nick Foles, if, if, if there was a quarterback whose name was stationary, his name is Nick Foles. And the problem with that is that can't happen with that bad offensive line. Like It's part of the reason we, we thought Aaron Rodgers could potentially, even at age 39, be effective is because part of what makes him so great is his ability to make plays outside the pocket. Not as good now as he was in his prime, but you get the idea. That's kind of where, where he was at. And so you look at all the, again, I, I've heard uh, guys like, uh, uh, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his name. Um, it's, it's, it's escaping me, but Matthew, oh, Matthew Stafford, that's who it was. Matthew Stafford, people are suggesting, hey, what about you know, the Rams might be looking into tank. Stafford's really good performance against a good Seahawks defense with virtually nobody to throw to. Maybe that's a good sort of showing like the Rams, like, hey, look at, look at our guy. You, you could sure use him. The only way I don't see that happening, the only reason I don't see that happening is the cap situation. Uh, you paying Aaron, you paying paying Aaron Rodgers, you paying a lot of high level defensive players and offensive players there in New York, and you have to pay Matthew Stafford on top of it. That'd be that'd be really tough. Uh, and by the way, Stafford has been pretty clear; he doesn't want to move his family out of Los Angeles. They were in Detroit for a long time. They moved to L.A. He wants to kind of you know really build uh, or, or you know 
stay there, give his kids, his, his wife, the whole family stability. So you, you absolutely you know, re- respect that. I actually think they should go after Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is a, is a guy who isn't, he's getting older, obviously. This is for Andy Dalton. I think this is year 13, if I'm not mistaken, for Andy. But Andy's been on teams that's made the playoffs. Listen, we can knock his playoff resume, which is pretty bad if we're being honest. But listen, the, the, the expectations for the Jets just went from Super Bowl to, God, if we could just, if this could go right, and maybe if our defense plays great against Kansas City, who's a great offense, or Dallas, like maybe we. No, you can't. You can't. You can't base this off of maybes. You need to go get an established quarterback who's been there and done that, who's coachable. Again, speaking of coaching, Robert Sala, the job that he did in rallying the the guys in that locker room to go out play their you know what's off in the second half and get that win, um, which was literally season saving. Because if they lose that game, I'm sorry, they're not beating Dallas this week. They're not beating Kansas City two weeks from now, and they're probably not going to beat Philadelphia two weeks after that. It's 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 a tough situation that they're in regarding the first six games of their schedule. So they absolutely, even with Rodgers, certainly without him, had to win that opening game against Buffalo. They're the better team. They're at home. They had to win that football game. And so props to props to Robert Sala for having the guys ready. But Andy Dalton's coachable. Andy Dalton is fairly accurate. His arm isn't going to blow you away. You know, T, uh, TJ or sorry, JJ Watt uh, called him the, the infamously called him what the Red Rider BB gun after that. I think it was a Monday night game years ago. Uh, so it's a little harsh, but you know, his arm isn't going to blow you away the way Zach Wilson's will. But he's more accurate. He's more poised. Again, he's been there and he's done that. And if protection breaks down, he can. He's not great at it, but he's better than the other options. He can make plays outside the pocket. Gardner Minshew's been suggested. I could live with that. I'd take it over Zach Wilson. But I still think if you're looking at the Carolina Panthers, what they have with, with, with Andy Dalton, I think Dalton's the better option. I think Dalton is, 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 is the guy, given his playoff experience, to take the Jets potentially to the playoffs. And so, look, do the Jets have a playoff-level roster? Some have argued they had a Super Bowl-level roster, minus the offensive line. So that's that's kind of my case that you can't just let this waste away into a six and eleven record. You can't. Too many jobs are on the line. I'm not saying Robert Sala should get fired if the Jets miss the playoffs because I don't. I think Robert Sala is an excellent coach, not great, but a very good coach. You can't, Robert Sala potentially has a job on the line. Joe Douglas maybe has his job on the line. And the players are going to want to go out and, and, and the defense having to say, okay, we are going to have to play. Literally, DJ Reed said, hey, we're going to be the eighty-five Bears. You may have to be. <laughs> in order to win now, you may have to be the 85 Bears. So it's a really tough predicament that they're in. And uh, But I think you should go get Andy Dalton. If Tom Brady doesn't want to come in, totally understand that. Matter of fact, doesn't shock. I don't think any of us at all. He seems really at peace in retirement. Um, but I would go out and get, uh, I would go out and get uh, Andy Dalton. That's what I would do. But maybe that's just me. So, like I said, again, I don't know what's real, real quick, and then we'll get into Josh Allen. I don't know what's going on with the... Uh, the live stream situation here with with what, what I'm working with because uh, usually see usually from my vantage point I could see like number of people watching and then I can the, the part I love most I can see people's comments for some odd reason I can't see anybody's comments so and I know like I said I saw John John's comment earlier on my phone so I don't know what's going on there but you know maybe it gets resolved by the end of the show maybe it doesn't but I will do my very best to try and to keep up with everybody's uh, thoughts so certainly still feel free to, to chime in I'd obviously love to hear everybody's your thoughts and your your outlook and your your opinions staying in this game because by the again what what a game it was what a roller coaster of emotions where two minutes in 
the the headline act, so to speak, of this football game, the, the biggest reason, there's many reasons we watched, but the biggest reason we watched goes down. And it's the, the air gets sucked out of the stadium and Buffalo ends up going up by double digits. And Zach Wilson throws that bad interception. It's like, okay, Buffalo's going to get a, an ugly win. And it's going to, and then the interceptions happen for Josh Allen. I'll get into Josh in just a moment. The Jets defense plays well. Zach Wilson puts together two solid drives, field goal, then a touchdown to tie the game. Uh, by the way, then uh, the, the drive after the, the, Last Josh Allen turnover to take the lead with the field goal. Bills go down, kick a field goal to tie it. A doink field goal, by the way, from, uh, I think Bass is the kicker's name. Doinked it off the left uh, crossbar and barely threw to send it to overtime. And then he had the kid, Xavier Gibson. What a story he is, by the way, right? Hard knocks. He thinks he's going to get cut. The video's on, you know, online. You can check it out where he's meeting with Robert Sala and Joe Douglas and he's thinking he's going to be cut because Joe Douglas and Sala are saying, hey, you know, we've really enjoyed having you here. And, uh, and he's probably like, oh, my God, I'm going to get cut. And I forget if it's – I think it was Douglas who said, uh, congratulations, you're a New York Jet or you made the team, something like that. And he's just floored. He's excited. He calls his mom. It's a great moment. And uh, for him to be the hero – by the way, he's also – they announced today, the NFL announced, he was the AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. I think that's that was a pretty easy call. He returned a walk-off punt for a touchdown. Props to him. Okay, real quick, and then I'll get to Josh Allen. So the stream thing has corrected itself. I can see comments now. I can see how many of you are watching. So we got that resolved. So now I can see your comments. I don't have to check YouTube for any of that. So that's great. Uh, and again, I do see John John's comment from earlier. John John was just, again, devastated as as, as every Jets fan was. It's I, I'm telling you, this franchise... I feel so terrible for Jets fans. This franchise cannot catch a break. I, I, I don't know if I've seen anything quite like it uh, in the NFL where they finally get a glimmer of hope and then it's just gone. It's 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 terrible. I hate it for the Jets. hate it for their fan base. hate it for the front office. Everybody involved. They, 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 they put so much into this season in terms of constructing the roster all for it to literally in four plays go down the drain. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Let's talk about Josh Allen because... So when I did my quarterback rankings list, what was this, a month ago-ish, two months ago? Maybe It might. It was right around the time training camp started. If, it was right before, right when it started. And I said I had Josh Allen. I don't even know if I have the graphic anymore. I don't think I do. But I had Josh Allen as the fourth best quarterback in the NFL behind, obviously, Mahomes, obviously, Burrow. I got a lot of pushback for putting uh, Trevor Lawrence above Josh Allen. I don't think I'm getting that same pushback today, if you know what I mean. I'll talk about the... Uh, my Bryson's best 10 later in the show. Spoiler alert, the Jags are in it. But I had Josh Allen at four because I'm like, okay, the turnovers, the inconsistent play are massive problems for the Jets and something that is going to have to be corrected at some point or another If or, or they're, you know, they're out of contention potentially. By the way, I don't love the roster as is, but that's another conversation for another day. But I said his upside, and when he's at his peak, as we saw in that divisional playoff game against Mahomes, by the way, the week before that, when he literally led the Bills' offense to a perfect game, they scored every time they touched the football. There might have been a kneel down at the end, but out the, the drives that mattered, they scored every single time against a Bill Belichick-led defense. So I feel like Allen was sort of morphing into this, okay, is he going to be the guy to go up against Mahomes for years to come? Now it kind of feels like Burrow's the guy. Lawrence is going to put himself in the discussion, I think, in short order this season and be the MVP of the league. But I feel like Josh was still kind of in that, in that category. It's time we sort of come to the realization that this is year six for Josh, and he's sort of acknowledged to a certain extent what I'm about to say. 
he's kind of it's kind of who he is. The turnover problem, at least. Before we get into the turnovers on Monday, um, I love by the way how the, the everybody made a big deal about Dak Prescott's interceptions. By the way, off one year, most of them fluke picks, and Josh Allen's been throwing picks his whole NFL career. By the way, let, let's check this real quick. And I'll read it off for the podcast audience. Josh Allen has more. Josh Allen has more turnovers than anybody in the National Football League since coming into the NFL. Ninety turnovers since 2018. He actually has more turnovers than games started. I think he started 85 games in his career. He's had 90 turnovers. That's kind of an issue. And you see right there, 20 interceptions. 20 since 2022. That is more than anybody in the National Football League. So that is that has been a legitimate concern for Josh. By the way, those are including playoff picks uh, as well. That This has been a problem for Josh Allen since the day he stepped in the NFL. And I talked about on Monday's show, so I'm at the Dolphins-Chargers game, and about how we do not give enough love and enough credit to how important, and I've said this all offseason, but how important coaching is in that you're seeing Mike McDaniel get the absolute very best out of Tua, and you look at Los Angeles with this amazing talent, Justin Herbert, and they, they they still can't get the most out of him because the coaching isn't right. You're seeing that in, in, in Buffalo with Josh Allen. Yeah, Brian Dable, who turned Daniel Jones into a guy like, hey, is Daniel Jones worth $40 million? And the Giants evidently said yes. They regret that decision today. Probably regretted it the second that contract was signed, but they made that decision. We would have never thought about Daniel Jones in that same breath a year ago. But that's what Brian Dable did. He cut. He helped Josh Allen cut back on the turnovers, cut back on the reckless plays. And again, it's not just turnovers. I'll get into the turnovers from Monday in just a second. It's the reckless, what are you doing plays that other quarterbacks simply don't do. There's a play in, I think it was in the late second half, or, or sorry, late first half or early second half, they're in, in and around the red zone. It's third and long. Josh Allen, he doesn't see anything open. Fine, he takes off running with his, running, uh, you know, takes off running to the left, outside the pocket. Listen, Josh is great with his legs. I think he uses his legs too much. I think the Bills use his legs too much. It's, it puts him in position to get injured. But Josh Allen also puts himself to get in position to get injured because he takes off running. He's not going to get the first down. There are two or three Jets surrounding him and he's going to be five, six yards short of the first down. He tries to dive over him. It's like, dude, you, you, you're putting yourself in position to get hurt. You're putting the Bills in a terrible position because if, God forbid, you go down, now they're really done. Listen, I'd have, I did not have the Bills making the playoffs this season, but if they make it, I won't be just floored. I'm like, I can't believe the Buffalo Bills made the playoffs. Josh Allen's an excellent quarterback. He's a great quarterback at his ceiling. The problem is, how long has it been since we've been like, oh, yeah, yeah, Josh is that dude. Opening night last year against a terrible Rams defense. That's, I mean, that's the last time I think I can think of. God, look at Josh Allen. He looks, that, that, this is a guy that can go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. His numbers have literally gotten worse every year since he almost won MVP in 2020. You look at his 2021 stats, which are good, not great. His, you look at his numbers last year, he's already off to a bad start this year. If you look at the Bills, uh, in the, remember when Josh Allen threw that pretty, it was kind of a Holmes-esque, uh, dare I say, that, that pretty little float pass when he was barely behind the line of scrimmage. Remember this play to, to Stephon Diggs? And it, it put Buffalo, what, what did it make the score? 13, was it 13-3 to three at this point uh, for the Buffalo Bills, if I could check? 
apologize. Let me check my notes here. Uh, the Josh Allen touchdown pass to to Stephon Diggs. It. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. It made that. It made the score ten to three. And Buffalo on the play where Josh got pummeled. Uh, again, he's seven yards. He's six yards short of the first down. And he's trying to dive over guys. Again, reckless plays. And Buffalo gets a field goal, so it's thirteen to three. From that point on, here's how the Bills' drives ended: interception, punt, interception, fumble, field goal at the end of the first half, uh, end of the second half, and then three and out. The only reason, not to take credit away from the Jets, because man, did they fight hard. Props to them. The only reason, I should say, I should say the only reason, the biggest reason. The New York Jets won that football game because the best New York Jets quarterback on that field on Monday Night Football was Josh Allen. The only way you screw that up is if you just play reckless football, throwing the ball in places where it doesn't need. I mean, there's a play in it. He tries a deep ball, second half to Stephon Diggs. He's got two guys all over him, one of them being DJ Reed. And Stephon Diggs, if you watch the play, Stephon Diggs sees the ball in the air, and you know, in his head, he's thinking, oh, you know what? It's just about to be another pick. And so Stephon is trying to be like his brother Trayvon and diving to swat the ball away, playing defense. Looks like Josh Allen's throwing to DJ Reed. Ball falls right into DJ Reed's hands. It's a pick in the end zone, and the Bills give away points. Like, these are the plays. These are the games, if you're Buffalo, where your defense is not as good as it was last year. It's not. Your weapons, aside from Stephon Diggs, are suspect at best. Your offensive line isn't great. Your running game isn't great. A Josh Allen defender would say, well, then he doesn't have much to work with. A Josh Allen either skeptic or where I would put myself as a realist would say, the only way you screw this up against a Zach Wilson quarterback team is if you continue to give them the ball in in great position. Or if you hand them points or take away points from your own team. That's the only way you lose that football game. That's exactly what Josh Allen did. It's it's sometimes it's just in your DNA as a quarterback to play reckless. I've seen it from Sam Darnold. I've seen it from Carson Wentz. I think Josh Allen is infinitely more talented than both. His arm probably the best in the league. He's an incredible athlete. He's very mobile. His accuracy has actually improved a lot. I've talked about that a lot on carving it up. It's improved tremendously since he entered the NFL. But it's these, it's, 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 it's these plays, it's, it's these little, I should say little mistakes, it's these big mistakes that he just, he can't help himself. And what, what did Josh Allen say? Uh, same, you know what, different day? I think, jo- listen, I don't think Josh Allen, there, sometimes folks, you have, it's, it's so, whether it's a belief system, whether it's a way you approach things that's just so ingrained in you, you can't help it. I think Josh Allen is fully aware of his turnover problem. He just can't help himself. It's how he's always played football. And certainly since Brian Dable left, he's gotten back into his bad habits. Josh Allen has regressed. He's not the same quarterback today he was three years ago or even two years ago. So we need to stop talking about it. And I think Josh Allen's still excellent. I really do. I'm not going to say one game decides. What do we say? Don't overreact to week one. But I don't want to overreact to this game. Because I still think he's excellent. I still think if he plays at his peak, the Bills are potential Super Bowl contenders with a better roster. It's why I don't think they'll make the playoffs because I don't love the roster and I don't love where Josh Allen is progressing or better said, regressing too. But we've got to stop talking about him in this conversation of a Mahomes, a Burrow, a Lawrence, heck, a Jalen Hurts. 
Today, I'd take Mahomes, Burrow, Lawrence, hands down. Don't even think twice about it. Um, I would take Hertz, Lamar, and yes, a guy who I viewed as a poor man's Josh Allen. Maybe poor man's Josh Allen. A, um, a discount Josh Allen, Dak Prescott. Everybody freaked out about the Dak interceptions. I would say of the 15 picks he threw last year, obviously half of them were just either mistakes by the receivers, be it through drops, or um, or, 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 or like CeeDee Lamb had, had made two mistakes. CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz made two horrible mistakes in terms of the misread of Dak uh, and the misread on the route against Green Bay last year in, in November. And then the other half were on Dak. How many of those plays for Dak, I can think of probably one off the top of my head, maybe two, that were just, what the heck are you, where are you looking? Like, what were you trying to accomplish through this play? What what did you see in the defense that made you want to do that? Josh Allen, he does it, what, three times a game at least? It's in his DNA. It's who he is. And it's time we start to, to view him through that kind of lens. That's not to say he can't get better. But there's certain things that are just ingrained in you that you, you can't get out. I'm wired a certain way. You're wired a certain way. That's how Josh Allen is wired at the quarterback position. Not just with interceptions, but with reckless plays like running on third down, you're going to be five yards short of the marker and you're trying to dive over the over guys. It's it's some some guys just can't help it. And it's 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 rough. It's rough to watch. And again, I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm being too harsh on Josh, because I think Josh is a, is a pretty good dude uh from what I've seen. Uh, I, I like the, the 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 Sunday ticket commercials he, he's in. Uh, you know, Josh is a solid actor. He's well, he's dating uh, Haley Steinfeld, so he he I guess he maybe taking acting lessons. Uh, you know, learning from her to a certain extent. But uh, yeah, just it, it, it's these are correct correctable mistakes, and it's he can't help himself sometimes. Can't help himself. Okay, so if if we don't have any comments, it doesn't look like we do. So Bryson's Best 10, this is a new segment we introduced on the show last week to, and it's not just going to be relegated to the NFL, it'll be, I'll use it for maybe to rank NBA players or to rank quarterbacks or to rank whatever. Who knows, maybe maybe to rank uh, maybe to rank Star Wars movies or something. By the way, have y'all seen, I'm, I'm talking to my Star Wars fans now, have y'all seen Ahsoka on Disney Plus? Lord, you Listen, I think it's this. I'll be as generous, generous, and as diplomatic as I can possibly be. Um, Star Wars hasn't been awesome in the last decade. I think the sequel trilogy, and they're, they're, listen, I, I liked Episode Seven personally, but I think the sequel trilogy kind of tells you that some of the stuff since this new Ahsoka series. I don't want to, I'm not going to spoil, Star Wars kind of has spo- already spoiled a ton. Like, if it, that Star Wars basically saying, if you don't watch the, the newest episode right when it comes out, do not look at social media because we are posting all the spoilers. We're not going to give you a, a full 24 hours to recover or to, to give yourself an opportunity to watch. But I won't spoil anything, even if Star Wars already kind of has. Wow. You, if you're a Star Wars fan, you've got, you've got to watch this. You've got to watch this show. It's, in, it's incredible. Uh, I'm, I'm just sad there's only three episodes left because uh, it's been psh, cannot wait to watch the last three. That's there's there, there's my there's my Ahsoka promo even though I'm not technically promoting it, but it's an it's a fantastic show. So back on track. 
Bryce's best 10. Top 10 teams in the NFL. If we can get the background music going, uh, here we go. Top 10 teams in the NFL going into week two. Here we go. So, at number 10, and this hurts my soul to put this team in this spot, and I have to put them in the top 10, but I can't deny what I watched on Sunday. And again, some of this, by the way, is not just what happened on Sunday. It's, were they on the fringes? This team, not necessarily, but I'll sneak him in the top 10. I'll sneak the Cleveland Browns into the top 10. Again, doing it through gritted teeth, hoping that next week they're not in the top 10 because my Steelers lay a, a hammering on them, hopefully. But you consider uh, what, what they did to a Cincinnati Bengals offense that looked completely inept. Joe Burrow... 82 yards passing, a career low. Uh, days, obviously, after getting that massive contract extension to make him the highest-paid player in NFL history. Holding the Cincinnati Bengals to a single field goal. Uh, rushing game didn't do much. Again, Jamar Chase had uh, 39 yards receiving. Everybody else, 17 yards for Joe Mixon, 17 for Irv Smith, 10 for Tyler Boyd. T, T, uh, T. Higgins did not have a single catch or a single yard receiving, obviously. Um, what they did to this Bengals, well, this Bengals offense was, I mean, you have Miles Garrett. You saw this play on social media, I'm sure. You see Miles Garrett lining up over center, doing a Kyrie Irving between the legs, crossing him up, and then coming in and, and, and giving Joe Burrow hell the whole entire game. So props to Cleveland Browns. That defense is for real. That defense is legit. Really, the questions I have about the Browns is the questions I had coming into the season, and we'll get, obviously, answers as time goes on. Deshaun didn't look great, and that offense in general didn't look great. The O-line's great, uh, or is very talented. The weapons are very good. The question is, can Deshaun put it together? Not to be Houston Deshaun, because that guy's passed. That guy's that guy's no longer, we're not going to see him again. But can we get a good Deshaun Watson? Uh, that's going to be the question, but I can't deny what I saw. That Browns defense is unbelievable. I am genuinely concerned for my Steelers on Monday Night Football. We'll see what happens, but I will begrudgingly put the Cleveland Browns at number 10. At number 9, dropping precipitously from where they were at last week, I had them as the fourth best team in the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens. I've got them at ninth. Sorry to, to sorry, not sorry, really, to my man Devin Nettles, the host of the At The Bank Ravens podcast here on the grid. Love, Devin. Uh, but the, the, your Ravens are the best, or the ninth best team in the NFL, my man. So, they come into this game with Houston. Sure, you're going to have some offensive struggles from time to time. You know, Mark Andrews was out. It's not going to look perfect. But Lamar looks kind of shaky. Lamar didn't look terribly comfortable. And it's not going to get easier because of the fact that, God bless him, knock on wood for him, J.K. Dobbins tore his Achilles, similar to Aaron Rodgers, obviously. He's done for the season, so they lost their starting running back one game in. And now Ronnie Stanley, their star, their star offensive lineman, now he's hurt. So that's two major offensive pieces one weekend down for the Baltimore Ravens. Now, they should get Mark Andrews back this week when they have a pivotal game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Big one. I can't wait to watch that in the 1 o'clock window. Two AFC North rivals, obviously, my Steelers. But when I look at this Baltimore Ravens team, love their talent, still see them as a Super Bowl contender. I'm seeing some folks take them out of their top 10 entirely. I think that's that's way too soon. It's a very talented football team, but they're already suffering injuries, and you got to adjust to that. I mean, Spoiler alert, the Jets aren't in my top 10 because I don't have Aaron Rodgers. They obviously were in my top 10 last week. I've got to adjust with the times, obviously. That's why it's a week-to-week -week list. I still think the Ravens are a Super Bowl contender. I really do. But that wasn't a, a that wasn't a great offensive performance against a, a rebuilding Houston Texans team, and they lost some major pieces. The Baltimore Ravens are at number 9. At number 8, 
I'll keep him in the top 10. I'm sorry, I'm not going to let one game dictate where I'm putting this team. The Cincinnati Bengals. I shouldn't say dictate where I'm putting them. Dictate just me having that at the top 10 entirely. Which, again, I've seen some lists taking the Bengals out. I think that's just simply looking at the standings, uh, to be completely honest with you. Listen. The reason I actually thought about keep you know putting the Bengals at around six, the reason I put them at eight, I don't know what's in the water in Cincinnati. Every offseason, they try and address the offensive line. Every offseason. They give guys big money. I mean, Orlando Brown, they gave him big money from the Kansas City Chiefs. And Orlando Brown was abused all afternoon in Cleveland. It was, to- it was terrible. Joe Burrow's running for his life again. This is a concern I have for Burrow coming into the league. The the Bengals, who have historically been a very cheap organization, finally seem to be going after guys, and they can't protect. Now, some of this might be Cleveland's offensive line, but I still have Cincinnati. I'm sorry, it's Cleveland's defensive line, rather, but I'll still put Cincinnati in the top 10 and and at number 8 for the simple fact that, listen, the issues with Burrow and his receivers, and in the rare instances Burrow did have time, he... Obviously, you see by his completion percentage, wasn't terribly accurate. The timing was off. Listen, offense is a timing. It's it's like a dance. It's literally like a, it's it's a it's a choreographed dance to a certain extent, where everybody's got to be in the exact right place at the exact right time. That obviously was not the case for the Bengals on Sunday, but that's something that can be fixed because Joe Burrow missed all of training camp with that uh with that calf injury. So the timing's going to be a little off. I don't care what your chemistry is. You still got to kind of build that back up. It's not like just getting on a bike and you pick up right where you left off. It's going to take time. Cincinnati will be fine in the long run. I still think they'll win the AFC North, uh, but they they drop from where the Bengals were, num- were at number three last week. I've got them at number eight. At number seven, moving up a spot from last week's list, it's the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia is at number seven. So listen, Philadelphia didn't exactly blow anybody's socks off in beating New England. Matter of fact, they were quite unimpressive. But in their defense, and I said this would be a close game. I didn't take Patriots plus four for the record, but I said it'd be a close game for the fact that listen, it's opening day. Bill Belichick is one of the greatest defensive. I think he's the greatest defensive coach ever. Uh, he's had what five months or four months rather to game plan for this this Eagles offense that lost. Some pieces uh, in the offseason, albeit they gained some pieces in DeAndre Swift. But defensively for Philadelphia, they're very weak in the middle of the field. By the way, I'll predict Philly's game against Minnesota later on today's show. Uh, Really thin at linebacker, lost both their starting safeties, and New England attacked that. That's why I think people overreacting to Mack is is, is a real thing. And so, listen, Philadelphia's still talented. Jalen Hurts didn't have a particularly good afternoon, but it was wet, it was rainy, it was a Bill Belichick-led defense on basically Tom Brady day where he was honored in Foxborough. Philly will be fine. I think they'll still make the playoffs. I still have Dallas winning the NFC East, but Philly's a playoff team. I'm not going to go crazy after one week. By the way, in a game that they won. I mean, we can't just discount the fact they did, after all, win the football game uh, and made the plays necessary defensively to do so. That Eagles offense will be fine. Listen, most offenses in the NFL didn't look all that great this week. Most of them. So, Philly, I, I don't have any concerns about them uh, moving forward in regards to them you know, just moving out of Bryson's, top, uh, Bryson's best 10. To number six, this team didn't go anywhere because they, they did exactly what I thought they would do. The Jacksonville Jaguars are the sixth best team in the NFL. I've got Jacksonville at number six because I, I said they're a Super Bowl contender. I said they get to the AFC title game. The roster is good, not special. The, the, the difference is they have a special coach, a special quarterback, and they have a legit number one receiver in Calvin Ridley. Uh, they went on the road to Indianapolis. That's a division rival. I understand that. The game was a lot closer than I thought it would be. But, you know, the Colts are in rebuilding mode. The, Jet, the, the Jets, the Jaguars did what they were supposed to do. So I'm not going to overreact too much. Trevor Lawrence made some. The throw in the red zone to Zay Jones 
props to Zay Jones for making a great play, but that was as beautiful a throwing catch as you saw all of last weekend in week one. So Jacksonville's defense, I think, is getting better. Hopefully, as time goes on, the youth and experience uh, won't be so much of an issue given the fact that they do have playoff experience. But Jacksonville's offense is going to be a, a, a huge problem for a lot of teams, particularly Kansas City. This week on Sunday in Jacksonville, the home opener, that place will be electric. Uh, but Jacksonville did what they I thought they would do. Took care of business, beat Indianapolis by double digits, and they, they don't move anywhere on my list. They're still at number six. At number five, first time in Bryce's best ten, holy smokes, look at the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins are in the top five, the fifth best team in the NFL. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa was, and this is a guy I've been very skeptical of in terms of he's not he's not the talent, I think the, the film and your eyeballs tell you he's not the talent that Justin Herbert is, uh, but something that I thought was impressive by Tua, listen, I thought Tua had a good arm, he showed a freaking laser for an arm the other day in, in Los Angeles against the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, just making beautiful over-the-middle throws to Jalen Waddle, taking big shots down the field for Tyreek Hill. It looks like a left-handed Mahomes. Help, don't strike me down yet, God. But taking look like the left-handed Mahomes taking shots down the field to Tyreek Hill, leading him in stride. Tyreek's not having to come back and fair catch it to a certain extent with Tua Tungvaluwa, which you saw at times last season. That Dolphins offense looked, looked in sync, looked connected. Uh, again, in a, in a week of bad offenses in the NFL in week one, Miami's was not was not anywhere near that category. They looked great. They looked in sync, and Tua was special. Tyreek Hill, by the way, was was on another planet. He's making as strong of a case as anybody to be the best receiver in the NFL and to overtake a guy I think is the best in Justin Jefferson, but Tyreek is certainly second. Uh, and, and listen, he said he wants to have 2,000 receiving yards this year. Listen, he's 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 ten percent of the way there, ten percent of the way there with sixteen games to go. If you add the math up, if he puts up this kind of production, he could have what, you know, darn near four thousand yards. It's, it's unbelievable what Tyree Kill is doing. Uh, that Dolphins defense concerns me a little bit, but it's the first game with the new defensive coordinator in Vic Fangio. That'll get corrected as time goes on. I think with the Jets now completely out of the out of the divisional uh, mix, I think Miami wins the division. I had them making the playoffs anyway, uh, but now they certainly appear to be the favorites to win the AFC East. To number four, a team that was seventh last week and is now number four in the final four, so to speak, the Detroit Lions, ladies and gentlemen, can I get a word from Dan Campbell himself? Kneecap. 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 Of it. Wonderful. How about those Lions? We have so, I don't know if it's the social media era. I don't know if that's it, but we have such, so short of attention spans and, and we, we just forget that things happen so quickly. And you look at the fact that Detroit went on the road to Kansas City, to the Champs House on banner night. And took care of business. Played excellent defensively. I know Mahomes had the drops. Drops happen. Drops happen all the time in the NFL. By the way, I asked Daniel Jones last year. Daniel Jones dealt with a lot of drops. Giants still made the playoffs, okay? You could still win games with drops. Mahomes was was shaky at times during that game. Some of that was the pressure by Detroit against a very good Kansas City offensive line. Detroit's offense wasn't special, but again, that's a solid Kansas City defense. They were aggressive on special teams. They Goff led the drive at the end to 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 uh, to give them the lead, and then the last drive of the game to ensure that the best quarterback on planet Earth didn't get the ball back. Detroit took care of business uh, on the road in Kansas City. I've said all offseason I've been the Detroit Lions fan, not fan, but defender in all of sports. 
sports media saying this team will get to within a win away from Super Bowl 58. I feel as confident about that as ever. Detroit's the real deal. They are who I thought they were. They are the fourth best team today in the NFL. At number three, the second best team in the NFC, it is the Dallas Cowboys, a team in Dallas. I had it number five last week. They move up a couple spots. Look, I, I didn't have the Giants making the playoffs, but I didn't have them as a bunch of scrubs either. Okay, that's a Brian Dable coach team. They still got Saquon. They still got Darren Waller. They didn't use Jalen Hyde enough for my liking, but that is what it is. Um, And people were ripping Daniel Jones to shreds for the Giants. Yeah, he was pressured more than any quarterback in football over the weekend because this Dallas defense, the word I kept, kept flashing across my brain as I'm watching the game, as I'm thinking about that game right now, they fly all over the field. They were fast. They were always fast. I don't know if it was just the eight months uh, of, of, of offseason since that playoff loss to San Francisco. My Lord. they uh, Maybe it was just relative to the team they were playing in New York who doesn't have, they don't have quite the athletes that Dallas does. But Micah Parsons flying all over the field had a massive night. Stephon Gilmore looks like he's going to be the addition to this defense that I and a lot of people thought he was. Trayvon Diggs played solid. Uh, that Cowboys front seven, it's God bless Zach Wilson in the New York Jets this week because they're about to have some issues with them. Uh, this Cowboys front seven is, is as good, I think, as any in football, uh, with the exception of Pittsburgh and, and San Francisco. They are in the conversation potentially to be the best defense of football. I know a lot of folks are criticizing Dallas's offense, and Dak didn't, his, his numbers aren't going to blow you out of the water. Look, if your defense is getting take, not just getting takeaways, but getting touchdowns, off of takeaways. Why do you have to to reveal your old offensive playbook in a in in the rain in New York against a team that you are crushing? Again, it gives me a Texas versus Rice vibes. Texas didn't look good offensively against Rice because they didn't open up their playbook. They were using a preseason playbook, so to speak. Sark opened up the playbook against Alabama. They looked awesome. Mike McCarthy. I don't think he, he'll even have to do it this week against the Jets. In the future, against the 49ers and whatnot, he'll open up the, open up the playbook. Dak will be better. By the way, they happen to play indoors. I think Dallas is going to get home field advantage in the NFC and get to the Super Bowl. Uh, Dallas' defense looked every bit what I thought it would and more. A 40-0 shutout over the Giants cannot be discounted. At number two, it's the Kansas City Chiefs down one spot where, where I had them last week at number one. Listen, people are going to freak out. And again, I think this is still a shot at the Detroit Lions. The fact that people are taking Kansas City out as if it was just, oh, Kansas City lost to... The, the Washington Commanders or something. Not six shots of Washington, but yeah, I'll take shots of Washington because Detroit's on a different level than Washington is, obviously. Okay? Drops playing them. Uh, tra- uh, Travis Kelsey was out. Looks like he's going to be back this week. That was quite a swift recovery. See what I did there? And Chris Jones is going to be back this week and back for the rest of the season because he signed a one-year deal. By the way, I don't think that contract, if you look at the numbers and given what he was fined, I don't think that contract is favorable to Chris Jones in the slightest. But Chris Jones is back. Travis Kelsey is back. So they got the squad back together. It's still a great offensive line. And let's not overreact. This is the first time Patrick Mahomes has lost in week one in his career. I didn't know Patrick Mahomes all of a sudden is just a mid-tier quarterback now. Okay, Patrick Mahomes is going to ball out. Whether they beat Jacksonville or not, uh, Kansas City is an extra time to prepare. They'll be a, they'll be as, 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 as dominant, I think, as any team in the NFL this week. Again, whether or not the Jags win or not, you shall see uh, on Sunday, and in particular when I predict the game on Friday. But Kansas City at number two. And that leaves, one, uh, that leaves number one. So I swapped one and two this week. The San Francisco 49ers are the best team in the NFL as we sit here today. Folks, San Francisco went on the road to Pittsburgh, to my Steelers' house. And albeit it was a questionable at best game plan for Matt Canada, the Steelers' OC, in terms of these long-developing plays. But with that said... 
That is, TJ Watt was really the only bright spot for Pittsburgh with three sacks. Yet and still, San Francisco hung 30 on him. 30 on us, rather. Brock Purdy looks at, looked excellent, making big-time throws in and out of the pocket on third down. Brandon Ayuk, Offensive Player of the Week in the NFC, deservedly so, had a couple touchdown receptions. Debo Samuel was virtually irrelevant in this game. I barely saw number 19. And you still had Christian McCaffrey running for 100 yards, had the 65-yard touchdown. I mean, this is a... For the Steelers' offense to do what they did against a Mike Tomlin-led Steelers defense, Mike Tomlin had four months to game plan for this for the San Francisco 49ers offense. Could not stop them, particularly in the first half, and San Francisco never looked back when they went up double digits. And as for San Francisco defensively, again, some of this is Pittsburgh's questionable offensive game plan. But I, I challenge you, name the weakness in the, in the Niners' defense. Name it. They're awesome on the on the defensive line. They're they got the, easily the best linebacking core in football with Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw. And in the secondary, where they're not they're gonna not gonna blow your socks off. But that Ward kid is a ball hawk. It seems like he's always making plays all over the field. Hufunga had a pick. You guys know I have loved Hufunga since he stepped into the NFL. I think that kid's special. By the way, trained by Troy Palomalo, Steelers legend and Hall of Famer. Uh, you could see his 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 imprint on the young man. Uh, the San Francisco, I said last week it was the best roster in the NFL. That's why I'm at number two. I just thought Kansas City had the better coach, better quarterback, uh, and their roster is no slouch either, obviously. But including at quarterback, and I've been a Purdy, Brock Purdy believer since he came in and, be, and replaced Jimmy Garoppolo. Sturdy Brock Purdy is legit. He's the real deal. You got to stop with this Mr. Irrelevant stuff. No, no, no. He's here to stay. He is a he's a better than average starting quarterback in the NFL. And the San Francisco 49ers, as we sit here today, on September 13th, 2023, are the best team in the National Football League. That's what we got. So if we can go back over the list. Browns at 10, Ravens at 9, Bengals at 8. Three AFC North teams in a row right there. Eagles at 7, Jaguars at 6, Dolphins at 5, Lions at 4, Cowboys at 3, Chiefs at 2, and the San Francisco 49ers at number 1 at that top spot going into week two, of which, by the way, and I'll get into only NBA topic of the day revolving around, guess who, my Golden State Warriors. I'll get into that in in, in just a moment. But uh, the week two schedule in the NFL, I'll predict, obviously, one of those games in just a second on uh, uh, Philadelphia and Minnesota. We got some good ones. So we got Ravens-Bengals and Chiefs-Jaguars stand out to me. That, that Chiefs-Jags. You got Mahomes versus Lawrence, the best quarterback versus the third best quarterback. Can't wait to see that. I think those will be the top two MVP uh, vote-getters, and I do have Lawrence winning the award. What else we got? Packers-Falcons is low. It's kind of fascinating. Seahawks-Lions, Seahawks-Pete Carroll team. They'll be pissed off getting their you-know-what's kicked at home against the Rams. Detroit's got extra three days to prepare for Seattle. Very fun game at the Metrodome. Uh, Bears boxes is, is, is kind of fascinating. Niners Rams, not golly. Niners are eight point favorites on the road against a Rams team that just beat Seattle on the road by 17. Holy smokes. Dolphins Patriots is the nightcap. The Monday night games are good. Saints Panthers will be unwatchable. Uh, and then the, 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 the big one that's going to be on ABC and ESPN plus it looks like the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, man, that's. How big is how big of a game is that from for my Steelers? Holy smokes, that's we really, 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 really need to win that football game, big time. Okay, so by the way, feel free to let your thoughts and opinions and perspectives be known in the comment section. 
Also, it's a good time to to tell you to, to remind you of this. So I've talked about it for the last week or so and carving it up since the football season started. The goal I have for the show we've got here at Carving It Up Live is to surpass 1,000 subscribers by Super Bowl 58. So that is February the 11th. So that is about five months from now. Five months, if you five months uh, from Monday, from this past Monday, uh, will be Super Bowl 58. We hope to get to 1,000 subscribers by then. So if you haven't subscribed, please take two seconds out of your day and hit hit that big red subscribe button. Uh, if you have subscribed, we thank you so much for your support. Please tell any and everybody else you know, your friends, your family, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell his family member, to tell her friend to tell them about the show, about Carving It Up Live, and to subscribe. I'm trying to get to 1,000. I think we're, what are we at, 220 now? So it's listen, it's a steep mountain. There's no question about it. But uh, listen, we, we don't set little goals. We swing for the fences on Carving It Up Live, whether it be with takes, whether it be with anything. I, I I do not believe is talk about in, in in you know talk about our people's DNA talking about Josh Allen's DNA earlier. I do not believe in just playing it safe. No no no, we're swinging for the fences. One thousand subscribers by Super Bowl Fifty Eight by February the eleventh. So if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. If you have, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a family member to tell their friend uh, family member to tell their friend to tell. Well, you get how the cycle goes by this point. To subscribe to Carving It Up Live, we're trying to get to one thousand. I believe we can. We need your help though, and let's uh, let's make it happen. We 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 will have some some kind of celebration if we can if we can make that uh, a reality. So, only NBA topic of the day, but I think it's a big one because it revolves around uh, one of I'd say the most high profile team in basketball for the last decade, my Golden State Warriors, and certainly amongst some of the contenders out west. When you think about the Nuggets, the Lakers. Uh, I, I think Sacramento potentially takes another step forward this season. I'm not a believer. I'm a more of a believer in Phoenix now than I was when the Beal trade was made because I liked how they kind of rounded out their bench. Uh, some of those guys are up there in age, so what can they give you? But I don't believe in the Suns for this reason. They don't have a point guard. It's why I'm skeptical about the Boston Celtics, who have a great roster, but don't have. They don't have a starting point guard. The Suns don't have a point guard, period. You could try book at the point, but good luck with that. And the guy they traded, the point guard they traded to my Warriors, Chris Paul, some news came out regarding his role in the rotation. So uh, Marcus or Mark, Mark J. Spears, who's covered the Warriors for a long time, has done a spectacular job in doing so. He was on the Good Word with Goodwill podcast, and he said, quote, talking about Chris Paul, quote, I do expect him to start, and I think it's like five-minute spurts. I don't know that they really want his minutes to be high, but I think they're going to try it. I could be wrong, but that's the gist I'm getting. This isn't an opinion that he's expected to start. It's what I'm hearing. He's never not started in his career, end quote. So again, Mark J. Spears is as plugged in as any insider is to to their team and has covered the Warriors for a long time. Uh, so that's what he's hearing from, I don't know if it's from Kerr, from the coaching staff, from the organization, whoever he's hearing it from, he's got sources there. Uh, so again, like he said, this is not an opinion. Here's my takeaway on this because when the Chris Paul trade was made, I came on the show with, with shades on, celebrating. Uh, I think I had my Draymond Green jersey on that day. And I said, not only am I, am I excited that we get the the albatross that is the Draymond Green Jordan Poole issue out of the building, 
and inefficient. And again, I'm pulling, I want to preface, I'm pulling for Jordan Poole in Washington. That man helped us win a championship in 2022. Um, I don't think he's a bad kid by any stretch of the imagination. I have no evidence to tell me that. Um, The guys in the Warriors locker room spoke relatively highly of him uh, when he left. So wish him the very best in Washington. But he's an inefficient basketball player. He's a terrible defender, and he didn't fit what Golden State was trying to do or is trying to do moving forward. Chris Paul did. If he's coming off the bench, that was my view. I think the Warriors are looking at one of two ways to approach this. If this report is true, I have no reason to believe it isn't true, given the source that it's coming from. If Chris Paul's in the Golden State Warriors starting lineup, here's why I think that is. The first reason is... He mentioned Chris Paul has never come off the bench one game in his NBA career. That is absolutely true. Chris Paul has every game that he's ever played in his NBA life, he has started. And obviously the Warriors lineup without Chris Paul, you would think, would be Splash Brothers, Draymond, Wiggins, Looney. Well now, it's, okay, who do you take out? You probably take out Looney and take Looney out of the starting lineup. Now Looney's come off the bench before. He's Iron Man. He hasn't missed a game in two years. So you'd have... Steph, Clay, CP3. CP3 is not playing the three, obviously, but so let's let's call the backcourt of Steph and Clay. Uh, I'm sorry, Steph and CP3. Clay's at the three. Then you got Wiggins and Draymond as your is your five. And I know what you're thinking because it's exactly what I'm thinking. That is a really small lineup. <laughs> I mean, Draymond Green is six six and a half in shoes probably, and he's your big. Wiggins is probably around six seven, but Wiggins isn't going to be isn't going to play the five. Obviously, he's never played that in his career. He's not going to start now. And then you got two small guards in CP three and Steph, and then Clay playing the three, and he's kind of a small three. What do you do? That could there could be a method to that madness for Steve Kerr to say, okay, I will give in to Chris Paul. Chris Paul's a future first ballot Hall of Famer. We're going to put us put the you know put him in position to say, okay, you could start. But if things start to go haywire, and again, I would not like that starting five as, as a Warriors fan. I wouldn't like it if the Warriors start at the gates and they're four and seven. Their opening schedule is kind of rough because they play a ton of road games. We know they struggled on the road last season. They're not going to go 11 and 31 the road this year, but that's still a tough way to start your, your schedule. Kirk can go to Chris, and Kerr's perfectly fine with having uncomfortable conversations with his players. And say, Chris, what do you want? You want to win a championship or you, you want to start at the expense of, of us potentially winning championships? Because that's the reason you're here. You're here to help us get over the top again. And we're here. Draymond Green literally just did an interview. He said, my goal this season is to get Chris Paul's first ring. Draymond Green said that verbatim. And Kirk can have that conversation with him. The second reason, and honestly, I actually think the more likely reason... Chris Paul starts if he indeed does. And I don't I haven't heard this suggested. You roll with Steph and CP3 in your backcourt. Clay Thompson at the three. Wiggins at the four. Looney at the five. Draymond's your sixth man. Never forget the fact Draymond came out. Remember, Draymond got the insane suspension insane suspension from game three against the Sacramento Kings. Missed that game. Warriors won. Looked great in doing so. And Draymond has a conversation with Steve Kerr. There's a mutual respect and trust there. And he says, I don't want to, okay, we struggled a little bit 
in spurts in games one and two. I don't want to mess with the flow. Draymond's that type of teammate, obviously. He's won a lot of championships. He understands. He has an incredibly high basketball IQ, as we all know. He said, I'm going to come off the bench. And Draymond comes off the bench, is a terror defensively in game four, makes a massive play into Monis Sabonis uh, and Harrison Barnes before that in the last two minutes, plays well offensively, and in game five, scored 20-plus coming off the bench. That was the first time Draymond scored over 20 since Christmas of 2019. I I remember that stat because it was so mind-boggling. Draymond leads the second unit rather than CP3. Is that something the Warriors may want to try out? Again, I think this first, up until about Christmas, is just going to be an experimentation for Golden State. They know seeding doesn't matter. It doesn't. They were the sixth seed, made the second round. Who do they play? The seven seed Lakers. The Miami Heat, I listen, I said before the playoffs, all playoffs long, seeding in today's NBA with, with load management, which the NBA we saw today is looking to try and address in a strong way. I may give more of a take on that on Friday. We don't have time to get into it today. But seeding has never been more relevant in the history of the NBA. The Miami Heat, I, I think, validated that opinion that I had and got to the NBA Finals as the eighth seed. And winning a Game 7 on the road in Boston, who had the second-best record of basketball. The Warriors were the sixth seed, got to the second round. The Lakers were the seventh seed. They got to the Western Conference Finals. Seeding doesn't matter. The Warriors know that. They, they, can, they can go on the road and win road playoff games. That's not Some of the Warriors' best wins in the dynasty have come on the road. They are going to use this to a, a lesser extent the way they used the first two months in the KD era. You remember this? The Warriors were great. They got off to an awesome start. Not to the start they got off to the 73-9 season, but they went 73-9. It's hard to replicate that. The record was good, but there was a, a few games there. Which I remember watching as a Warriors fan back in the day and like, this doesn't look that pretty. We're just beating teams on sheer talent. But it, it looks kind of weird. It, does, do they gel that well? And then there was a game against Cleveland. It was the Christmas Day game. Remember Kyrie hit the game-winning shot with three seconds left? It was probably one of the best NBA Christmas Day games ever. And I say that as a fan of the team that lost. It was incredibly entertaining. And I think it was either Kerr or Kevin Durant. I think uh, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry had a conversation with one another. Because KD at that point was kind of the focal point of the offense. And KD and Steph had a conversation. Steph would often defer to KD. And they basically came to the realization like, man, Steph's got to be aggressive too. Steph's two-time MVP. Steph's got to get his. And they took off. And we ended up going 16-1 and in the playoffs and blowing out a great Cleveland Cavaliers team in the finals, which is why I think the 2017 Warriors are the greatest team ever. That's a different conversation for a different show. Could the Warriors with Chris Paul, because it is a little bit of an odd basketball fit, do the exact same thing the first two months of the season. Absent a great record, of course. I don't know. Some One of two people are going to the bench. In the long run. CP3 or Draymond Green. I think Draymond's at the stage of his career where he's saying, okay, I just got another big contract. Obviously, I've got the deal lined up with TNT. I'm going to be on Inside the NBA whenever I'm done. My goal, first and foremost, is to win titles, to stick, to win more titles with Stephen Clay, to stay in Golden State. He reaffirmed his loyalty there with the multi multi year contract. I don't think Dray, I don't think it would. I mean, Draymond suggested himself to Steve Kerr to come off the bench. He knows his All Star days are past him, but he knows he could still be an integral part 
to us to the Warriors winning the championship. I think it's on the table. So when I saw this report that Chris Paul is going to start, and there's this whole oh man, that's a very small lineup. It absolutely is. And if that, I think if Chris Paul starts, there's a good chance it probably ends up being Steph, Chris Paul, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green. In, in the starting five against the Phoenix Suns game one of the season. And then, obviously, the following games after that. But I think we'll get to a point, whether it's around Christmas, even before that, maybe come November, where hard conversations are had, and you either move CP3 to the bench, or you move Draymond Green to the bench. Either way, a future first bout Hall of Famer, both, both guys, leading the second unit. A second unit that has Dario Saric, has Jonathan Kaminga, Gary Payton. So, you can keep dancing on the Warriors' grave. It doesn't bother me. You know, as a Warriors fan, I'm used to it. The Warriors themselves are definitely used to it. Just knock yourself out. But the Dubs will be back. They, they, they my prediction for Golden State, and I'll do, I'll do like, kind of like I do with the NFL with Ryan, and I'll have a guest on in about a month to do an NBA prediction show, which I've done the last two years, uh, to predict the season. But I think it is more than fair to say that Golden State probably gets off to a rough start. And then come February, March, we look at Golden State like, doggone it, they're, they're in the race again now, aren't they? I think it's more, more than possible. I'd actually say it's probable when it's all said and done. But... That's what we do in Golden State. We win we win championships, we contend for championships. That's what we do. As long as number 30, Steph Curry's there, you're always going to be in the running. Like I said, uh, we're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers, so if you have not subscribed yet, please do so. If you have, we thank you so much. Tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe to Carving Up Live. We're trying to get to 1,000 by Super Bowl 58. We're trying to accomplish that goal. It's a steep climb, we understand that, but uh, it's one I think we c- can accomplish. You might as well swing for the fences and... Uh, Let's make this thing happen. So if you haven't subscribed, take two seconds out of your day. Please hit that big red subscribe button. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it here on Carving It Up. Last topic of the day. We've had so much. I've had so much fun the last week, and I think it's going to be a fun next five months with football. Baseball playoffs are going to be coming in about three weeks. My socks aren't going to make it. I just pray to God we don't finish last in the East. I'd really like to be able to kind of celebrate that over the Yankees. Um, we're actually playing them right now in the series. Maybe actually, right now as we speak, if I'm not mistaken. So go Sox. But we got the playoffs in baseball in the next three weeks. The NBA season starts a month after that. College football is nutso right now. The NFL, there's overreaction central. Can't wait for week two, which begins tomorrow night. And we can get the background music back on. Starts back tomorrow night against, or featuring rather, the Minnesota Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles in Lincoln Financial Field, Philadelphia's season, or sorry, home opener on Thursday Night Football, the first official TNF of the season on Amazon Prime, Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet on the call. Minnesota, Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a six-point home favorite in this game. So Vegas, Vegas likes Philly, not by a, a massive margin, but by a solid one. So listen, Minnesota comes in off of a very disappointing loss to Tampa Bay. It was one of the games I thought this past week when I was predicting, like, oh, Minnesota's going to roll Tampa Bay. There's the continuity offensively there. Tampa Bay's in a rebuild year. The offensive line's terrible. Brian Flores, the defense will be better. And the defense was better 
at least it was last year. Last year, Baker Mayfield probably would have thrown for 450 yards, as bad as it was in 2022. But... Kirk Cousins had a bad red zone pick. Tampa Bay was good. Put together some solid drives in the second half offensively. Bled the clock there at the end. And listen, it was a rough loss for Minnesota at home. So they come into this game, short rest at Philadelphia. This is not a must win. I don't believe in must wins in week two unless you're just a very limited football team, particularly at the quarterback position, the way the New York Jets are. But... You don't want to start 0-2. This is a team last year. You played Philadelphia last year, and they waxed you in Week 2 in Philadelphia. For the Eagles, they're coming out the game against the New England Patriots, in which defensively they made plays at the end, despite the weakness in the middle of their secondary. Offensively, though, they looked kind of clunky. Some of that could be attributed to weather. I don't think weather is said to be a concern in Philadelphia tomorrow night. Again, I'm not going to do what I tried to do and failed to do on Monday show and play a meteorologist, but it does not appear that weather is going to be a huge problem. Uh, it's, it looks like it's going to be about 74 degrees, so perfect football weather in September in Philadelphia. Here's why, before I get to my score prediction, here's why I like Vikings plus six. It's the de- desperation. Again, it's not a season-deciding gonna you know determine the outcome of how far you go in 2023 it's not that type of game now if Minnesota loses if they're 0-2 then they gotta win in week three because you're you go 0-3 it is almost impossible to make the playoffs 0-2 it's difficult 0-3 it's nearly impossible so I think they go into Philadelphia they, they they've struggled again we know Kirk Cousins in prime time it's the age-old uh, thing that always comes back to beat Minnesota or Minnesota or even Washington when Kirk was there. He struggles in primetime. We already we, we've been there and done that in terms of going through those type of discussions. But Philadelphia is weak in the middle of their defense. I think TJ Hawkinson potentially has a big game. I think the running game, Alexander Madison plays well. Minnesota has a pretty good offensive line. So I think Minnesota comes in, they play their you know what's off. Phillies, however, more talented. I'll take the Eagles to win 23-20 to over the Minnesota Vikings, but I would take Vikings plus 6 uh, in this game. It's not if I were a bet man, but I would take Vikings plus 6 in this game over Philadelphia, but the Eagles to win outright 23-20 to over Minnesota. Again, it's it's a situation where uh, we're, we're very familiar with these th- Thursday night games where it's, and I hate Thursday night football to be completely honest with you because of the low rest. Out Only Thursday games I like are season opening games and Thanksgiving. Uh, outside of that, I think they should, if they want to do a, a weekday game, not to take away from high school football, but do like Friday night football. Uh, it's 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 terrible for the players' health, but listen, it's great for the bottom line. So, uh, listen, we, we we know we know money drives everything. We understand that and and acknowledge that. But listen, at some point, you got to look out for the player safety. But you know that said, and that component on top of it, lot of lot of tired legs, lot of sore bodies going to be on that field on t- or tomorrow night in week two, Philadelphia, Minnesota. Once again, put up the final score. Give me the Eagles, twenty three to twenty. Over the Vikings to go to two and zero. Vikings will drop to zero and two. I don't think this will be like a devastating. I mean, it depends on the game plays out, obviously, but I don't think it'll be a a season wrecking type loss for the Vikings. I still think they can make the playoffs, as I predicted going into the season. The Tampa Bay loss though was that was that was t- you can't you can't lose to Tampa Bay in that situation. You just can't. So uh, unless we again, I don't know if our comment uh, uh, thing is is dealing with issues again, but I'll check. One more time, see if we have any comments uh, on the show. Uh, it does not look like we do. So, 
Okay, so yeah, we'll go and go and hop out of here. So that is all the time we have for today's show. Thanks to everybody for stopping by. As always, be sure to catch Carving Up Live on Friday and a big Friday show. We'll have the Vol View going into the Florida game. Big one for my Vols uh, in Gainesville, trying to win there for the first time since 03. And of course, we'll react to tomorrow night's game. And most importantly, week two NFL predictions. I feel good about all of them. I'm just telling you right now, tune in to, to Friday's show of Carving Up Live, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time right here on the Grid Network, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and Carving It Up Twitter page. Definitely check that out. Um, be sure, as always, to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day, as I've said numerous times. Hit that big red subscribe button. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by Super Bowl 58. Again, it is a steep mountain, but a mountain, I believe, uh, that we can uh, all climb together. So I look forward to to seeing how this progresses. De- progresses definitely trying to to set that big goal to get to 1,000 subscribers by Super Bowl 58 by February 11th. So hit that big red subscribe button. Only it only takes you two seconds, and it helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. Can't wait for tomorrow night. Can't wait for Friday's show. Again, Volview at 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific time in the middle of the show. Cannot wait. We got a great weekend of football coming up, y'all. It's going to be fun. So we'll see you all on Friday. Please have a great week, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, please, please be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. Have to address that problem. We'll see you on Friday. A lot of football coming up. I love every second of it. It is September. So, of course, we're going to be talking football. See you on Friday. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. And go Vols, baby. You already know what we're about to do to Florida. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. And be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network.